0: three products from Abby and I want one tool, one piece of leather, and one buckle from you. What would you choose?
1: Leather bridle. Yeah. Buckle, the is the garrison. Oh no, the I can't say it. The Marshall. Marshall say. say. Oh, I love that buckle. Oh my god, that is so cool. Like the uh, quick release buckle. What was the other one?
0: And a, and a tool.
1: Um and I just said the edge bevelers you've got in at the moment.
0: You're listening to the Abbey England Podcraft. My name is Ishbel Watson and I am your host. So what's this podcast all about? Well, we discuss industry insights with our fellow suppliers, customers, and leading industry experts within the salary and leather trade. In today's episode, you will be hearing from leather worker from the BBC's Made in Great Britain and Saved and Remade, Jason Stocks Young. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Abbey England Podcraft and a special welcome to our next guest, uh, Jason Stocks-Youngs. Some of you might recognise him from the BBC's Made in Great Britain and Saved and Remade. Jason is a professional leather worker and has two successful businesses, uh, JSY Leatherworks and Diamond All Workshop. So, Jason, it's lovely to have you today on this beautiful sunny day. Yeah, How good. are you feeling?
1: Good. Really good. Enjoying the weather.
0: It's so nice, isn't it? Lovely to have you today. Um, we've actually got so many questions for you. We want to talk about your early career, yes. um, obviously your time in on Made in Great Britain, and yeah. also the importance of making in the UK as well. So, let's get started. Your level work journey started eight years ago, back in 2014. Yeah. And prior to that, you were a digital marketer. Yes. Yeah. So. What inspired this transition? Because it is quite a big transition to move from digital marketing to (laughs) level working. So tell us how it came about.
1: It's almost two different worlds. Um, Well, I've been digital marketing for, I think, best part of 20 odd years, all down in London. I went down to London for love, um, with my girlfriend, but now wife, Louise. Uh, We've been together a very long time, nearly 30 odd years. And I ended up kind of stumbling into digital marketing through an ad agency um, called Saatchi and Saatchi. Um, quite mm. well known um, for being kind of quite forward thinking, but very well traditionally established agency for doing TV, print, um, offline kind of marketing. And I'd enjoyed it quite, you know, quite successful rather than product, digital production or digital creative it was. Um, I don't know. You've
0: definitely always had that creative streak in you.
1: Yeah, but it was. It's funny because I always, always ended up. I, I was always seen as a. Yeah, if you need something doing, get Jason on it because he'll just do it. He'll he'll kind of you know fluster his way through things, but he'll get it done. And that's how it really kind of stemmed from that. Um, I'd almost say that when digital in the early days, you know, there were there was no rules. There was no degrees or any courses you go on at the time. It was very much, you know, you kind of, you know, here's some arm bands get swimming. Um, mm-hmm. It was all very new. And the agency basically aligned itself with how to go forward by using the TV and print kind of processes and align that to digital. So if you were to make a TV ad and you'd have certain production processes, they use the same processes to do advertising on the internet or yeah. build a website. So that's how it stemmed. And and I was kind of given the job of basically managing the production and some of the creative for that, but for very large brands. I mean, I mean, you know, at the time it was things like working for Unilever, Coca Cola, Adidas, Guinness, uh, yeah. British Airways. So very, you know, really trying to find our way through to um, facilitate them when they did a TV campaign. They want to do something online. They would come to us and say, you know, we've got X amount of budget left. We'd like to do a microsite or a website or some advertising on some digital boards in underground stations, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'd be the person that would pull the team together and do the production. So quite challenging and, but you know, quite enjoyable. But there's always an element that was always kind of the last couple of years before I moved back up to, to Yorkshire was, was that I found it, it didn't really sit with me, the creative element, because it was very n- non-tangible. You know, it's put on a digital s- space, digital screen, whether it be a, mo- a phone, uh, but predominantly on the on on monitor. And it just didn't feel very creative for me at that time. It was, it was, was, I was getting less and less kind of more d- withdrawn from from it. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: were you saying you started to look for a vocation around about this time it,
1: then? I probably, I probably did, but it was very subconsciously, I think it was, it was not nothing specific, you know, um, and we then eventually moved out to out of London, we live in New York, we live in Honford now, and it was funny because my wife kind of went into teaching quite, quite quickly, um, she's she, into lecturing, she's, you know, a very good lecturer uh, at the university she works at, and for myself, I had no idea what to do with myself. And I, I, the first thing I found, which was kind of piqued my interest, was a nine-week furniture restoration course um, at my, lo- okay. yeah, my local uh, community hall in Hornforth, which I enjoyed immensely. And the bit that I remember, and, and this is the bit that resonated with me, and this is the bit that really started, started me to think how, what I could do for my second career, mm-hmm. was it's how it made me feel, was, you know, you're taking like a chair or, I don't know, a stool, you know you're taking off old fabrics and things and you start to put your own identity in terms of new fabric or you know you're staining it with different polishes for the wood and it was the bit where I came in on the Thursday to continue you know to continue the work I'd started the weeks before and I stood there looking at this chair I'd started working on and it was a real weird sensation like oh I've actually done this I did all this yeah yeah wonderful feeling and I'm looking at my hands thinking right I need to do something where i'm actually doing something where i can tangible feel i can actually feel it and touch it and shape it and mold it it sounds
0: as well sorry to interject but um obviously you have a very creative mind but when you actually came to making things it transpired that you could actually make and create with your hands as well because sometimes there's a missing part there and people might be very creative in the head but actually coming to applying it they struggle with it but so for you it was just it came very naturally
1: yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't have the fortune in my, my school career. You know, we had we had woodwork and metalwork um, um, lessons, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I kind of shied away from that because I got bullied quite a lot at school. So I kind of, the, the bullies used to be in the metalwork and woodwork lessons. And I kind of think, I didn't want to be in the same rooms and especially if there's tools in the same building yeah. or the same work, work class. So I stayed away from that. Um, I, I do remember doing a cooking course there. So there's a very much a creative element within myself, but never really kind of tested it, never really come out where I'm actually using my hands. Hmm. And that was the first, that was the first kind of thing that came that that came out was kind of sensational. I mean, working with this furniture and, and creating something like that.
0: Did you work with Lama when you were doing the restoration?
1: I, I, a little bit, but not much. Not much. Um, you know, it was very much kind of fabric based. So you know, we'd we'd buy fabric from from offcuts and things that we were given. But that's we that's my journey kind of started from that. Was you know, I want to work, begin a job where I could you know use my hands. Yeah. Um And it was a serendipitous moment being in Matlock in Derbyshire that we we bumped into a, 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 an ex saddler um, who. Was that had an event there, for like saddles and tools and and and, and bags and things. And Matlock's quite creative kind of area anyway. it's quite there's, there's a large antique kind of community there as well. And it was a big event. I think it's like a yearly, daily event there. And I, I'd actually gone down with my wife, and I've stood at peace stand and looking at all these all these saddles and 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 leather. I just I was just fell in love straight away. I just thought it was amazing. And the smell. It's always a thing with the smell with leather. It can always, you know, it just always hits yeah, you. Yeah, it does. Um, and I started talking to him, and I was fascinated by his journey and, and his kind of background and how he started. And for me, it was, you know, it was I don't know, it was just a bit of a blessing. It just felt right. And, I'd, and I spent about an hour talking to him. I remember walking away, 20 yards away, turned around, and I came back, and I just asked, is it something that he can teach? Hmm. and he said yes this is what well, do you want to learn And says, yeah I think I do um and that was it I literally started the following week <laughs> Amazing. Um, you, you know what's they... funny
0: as well that uh, just having got having these podcasts that oh. a lot of the leather workers seem to be inspired by having a chat with a saddler
1: Yes. Uh, Nigel Armitage
0: yes. is the same and it was just yeah the parallels
1: no absolutely and you get this you, the, 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 and I'm having the same conversation with other people as well, other students who've, you know, they've met saddlers and stuff and have just been inspired to do a leather course or the who's getting to leather don't know how um, yeah. I, I just think it's it's just one of them tactile materials that people just fall in love with um, you know, it's been mm-hmm. for the ages which we can talk about later and, and, um, and for me it was, it's a real awakening and it just felt right instinctively it felt right, I, I'd love to say you know, I've got, you know, my family used to rear deer and kill badgers with their teeth and blah, blah, blah. I don't have anything like that. It is very mm. much, you know, it's very real in the real world where, you know, I, I just wanted a, a different career, different direction. I wanted to go a different journey, so, so to speak. And and leather just felt right for me to go down that road. <laughs> so,
0: so you had your restoration um, course that you did. So how long did you do your training with your saddler?
1: A couple of years back two years I think probably just a bit less oh, wow. uh, the thing is the thing is is for me you know I'm, I'm very much if I'm into something I'm into it I literally yeah. will blood sweat and tears so I'm very much a uh, you know I, I'll put the impetus to, to to learn things and I'll go home and just carry on learning it for 24 hours straight um, and that's how I am that's how I'm built um, so learning different techniques and can you mm-hmm. and building a little workshop at home at that time, it was in my little garden shed um, with the uh, yeah with the lawnmower and the uh, shovels. Um, so what what was the first thing
0: this saddler taught you?
1: Was uh, was actually cutting leather, and mm. I remember I remember cutting myself twice. Um, I do remember that because um, it hurt a hurt, lot. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then it was a case of just understanding how leather is the difference between you know say for instance chrome tan and veg tanner leather, the yeah. cast. In, in leather generally, uh, what's good and what's bad, um, you know, um, what leather is good for, how it's used, how it's used throughout the ages, etc, etc, etc. So learning all this real, I don't know, I'd call it a real foundation before we kind of started making anything. That seems quite important for Peter. And I think it's probably set me up quite well. You know, I'm, I'm quite, um, when I work on something, I'm kind of quite considered, really kind of look at all the elements of how, how leather works and you know it's, it's in the environment and what it's going to be used for and kind of really start to i don't know mature with that kind of thinking yeah. more I'm do working with leather so it kind of works quite well
0: are these the reasons why you love it so much
1: yeah i mean i mean the list is you know the list is endless i mean
0: mm. um if, if you said, I have to say your top top three reasons for why you love okay, leather
1: um i love the it how it ages i mean good leather ages really well um you know it's it's you could look at leather and say you know it's in that sustainability it's in the sustainability area where buy less but buy expensive you know you buy it once and you're going to be it's going to last you a lifetime and i think leather from a sustainability point of view really ticks the ethos of that thinking mm-hmm. um leather is naturally beautiful you know especially vegetable leather you can leave it on a table and you'll see it kind of start to darken or patina with age you know and I, and I just really like that I can't think of any other material that does that it's just lovely to see um you know majority of things I see on Instagram and especially some of the other artisans I don't know if you have ever seen it for yourself is where they'll they'll have they'll have wallets that they've made from new then they've had it two or three years then they've put a like for like what it looked like when it was new and how it looks like now after mm. three years and they do that. It's not just to create content. But and it's, it's a pure enjoyment of seeing the, the beautiful, natural, beautifulness of leather and how it just changes over the years. Yeah. But still very much how you can still use it. It's got its strength, its durability. And you've got this natural beauty with it. And that's why they do it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, especially good leather. You know, leather's obviously a natural byproduct of the meat industry. You know, you, you well, I have this conversation. Business like literally every other week about vegan leather and it's a leather hot topic sustainability. Topic at the moment, isn't it? It's huge, huge. So you know, I have to really make that point that you know we're using food waste. You know, yearly, year on year, you took, you're looking at seven million tons worth of, of 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 potential leather would be on landfill, which would be a huge environmental um, impact. But we as artisans and leather makers are making use of this and making you know leather goods and other. Uh, things it's been used for, which is I think is is, is so important. Oh, um yeah. and and and, and that's where we are. Um but for me, again, answer your question is, you know, I love using leather because it ages well, it's a sustainable material, um and you know it's probably easy to ma- easy quite easy to maintain and repair, look after it as well. Um so that's probably the top yeah. three reasons. <laughs> Good.
0: Like that. Um so after you did your training and you started your businesses what was your first commissioned (laughs) item
1: okay so i'm glad you sat down for this um (laughs) i worked on well i got in touch this 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 gentleman this um i him an artist he got in touch with me wanting some straps for an electric chair um it was and before as in just to make the point it wasn't real it was a just a you know a a piece of art
0: and what by that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so what it was is um, there's a there's an electric chair in a film called The Green Mile, which um, starred Tom Hanks, quite a famous yep, yeah. film. And the company that made the last electric chair, the somewhere in America, and they they obviously not around anymore. But the company that bought this chemical company that bought the land, they wanted to um, commission or champion what the land was used for. Um, so they. Okay this artist to create a wooden electric chair and he he happened to be in Mosley which is kind of near where my studio is and he found me online and you know they're quite keen to cut this guy for to create a replica and he contacted me because obviously he didn't know anything about leather and, and he found me on the internet and he, he sort of you know explained what he was doing and I actually thought it was a joke um, and he brought this, this replica electric chair down beautiful pieces of wood you know it all been you know been put to joint together it's absolutely gorgeous and um you wanted the straps for it so i had to spend about a week or so kind of cutting straps and just making them fit this chair and the funny thing i mean you know it's kind of quite tragic and quite awful but you know the funny thing was is that it's it sat in my studio for about about two months after i finished it so all the workshops i did (laughs) all the workshops i did you know, I get students walking in, and they go, oh, you know, can smell the leather, start looking around at the cabinets and all the leather that's on the wall, uh, on, on the shelves.
0: What's
1: shelving. going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Turn around and they see this wooden chair with you. Know, I'm surprised they
0: didn't run straight out the yeah, door.
1: <laughs> the first thing they want to do is um, they want to sit in it and get strapped up in it, which is, you know, then obviously, you know, the phone comes out, <laughs> the phone comes out taking <laughs> selfies. Um, I don't think Instagram or anything was as as, as popular as it is today, so that it had been all over that. But um, yeah, so that was my first piece, um, which, you know, obviously fondly stays in the memory because it is kind of a bit left to centre. Yeah. Um, but my first thing I ever it, did. It's
0: a memorable one, so.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, yeah. completely. Um, you know, uh, again, I think they just wanted to replicate just to say what the land was originally used for. Yeah, yeah it's quite good. <laughs>
0: So I want to go on to your two businesses next, uh, JSY Levelworks and All Workshop. Can you yeah. please just tell the listeners a bit about those two businesses and did one drive the other?
1: Um, well, you know, when I first started, I think I was I'm in the mindset of setting up a workshop where people I could teach people. You know, it wasn't it's funny because I'm probably a little bit reverse of what you are. People I was gonna say
0: because I you, you
1: purpose, naturally
0: expect the People learn that
1: they get leather skills and this automatically start to think of right I'm gonna make my own leather goods. Yeah that's what usually happens. For me it wasn't that um I I started to learn a lot about myself working with Peter and the bits I really liked was that when I like something, or I love something, mm. I want to share mm. it with everybody. That's how I am. And that's how I'm built. Yeah. And so me, was, was obviously not knowing if there's any workshops out there at the time. Um, cause I'm not really doing any search and it wouldn't even cross my mind at the time. And I thought, I just ultimately, ultimately thought, well, if I would get a little workshop studio space somewhere, um, I could teach this and share it with people. Um, And because, you know, you don't need much space, you know, it's not like pottery where you need a kiln and everything else. It it felt something that's very reachable for a lot of people that want to learn a new hobby or craft. And that's how it kind of started with me, where I did the teaching literally first, then slowly I was getting requests from shops and people I know who own shops, especially in London. Mm. I I know quite a lot of people in in the retail, um, which is another conversation, um, who were asking me for leather products. I'm not the way JSY Leatherworks came out. So, Diamond Oil workshops specifically for just teaching, doing off site workshops and doing one, one, two, three, four day workshops, bespoke workshops.
0: I will say, uh, I actually had the pleasure of uh, going to one of Jason's workshops. I, two day course. I made a tote yeah. bag and it
1: was fantastic. I, I, even remember, I even remember, if I remember this right, you, you had to actually go do a hockey lesson and you. I had it in a
0: match, so I had to, yeah. That was,
1: that was it. Uh, um, which I thought was very cool, to be fair, that you actually came back um, to finish it off, off. I had to finish it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was really nice. So, yeah, so um, they the kind of spread out. And the JSY Leatherworks the South is, you know, creating kind of high-end leather products. Um, I think the mindset for me is that, you know, the, the, it, it's guaranteed for life. Um, that's how I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. And it makes and it's a case. So it's a case. Of if anything goes wrong, it needs repair or maintaining. I'm happy for my customers to come back in and I can kind of do what it needs to do free of charge. Um, is that a
0: USP I, then as well?
1: If I if, if I believe in something that I'm making, you know, you should be able to, you know, put your name to it and and and, and guarantee it. And that's how I feel. I mean, you know, I've just done a bag for Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. um, and okay. and. Yeah, so you know, which was
0: how, how did yeah.
1: that come about? Do strange? Um I have a I have a, a an ex-student who was who was very much in the film industry, very well high well regarded in that film industry, who came on my course, absolutely loved it. Um they were looking to do to give Harrison Ford a um a bag to commemorate um Indy4, which is the final song Indiana Jones. He saw what I'd been working on, just by chance, I don't usually have in my studio things I work on. I usually to have them at home, and he sent it to his agent, sent a picture. His agent fell in with it and said, "You need to make this for Met 1,0004. And I'm like, "It's it a
0: little rucksack."
1: It's like a overnight weekend bag,
0: like it's nice. kind of um, travel
1: bag. Yeah, travel like bag, you know. Um, either you know, and it worked out quite well. I mean. You know this kind of things. I mean, this—it's it's strange how things are. And it's, it's always that serendipity moment, serendipitous moment with people and um, relationships. And that's one of the things about I like about leatherwork as well. And what I've learned is that um, it's the, the kind of the social aspects of leatherwork um, yeah. or social aspects of making, which sometimes don't always get talked about. Um, there was um there's a guy called John Rus- John Ruskin, I think is in He's a very famous artist who um was he I think he was um based in Lancaster and he was and he was he was an amazing individual. And one of the things that I remember him saying was that the the it was the the kind of side of 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 being an artist and the kind of the social aspects of creative aspects of being an artist and stuff. Yeah. And can remember that I've remember that for quite a while, and um, it's also applied to leather that you know there's a really nice social aspect of it, and if anything, you know if you're nice to people and they remember it, and you you can they can see you're passionate about something that you love, you know they'll remember, and and sometimes it comes round things what goes around comes around in in a positive way, and I think that was one of them situations where you know the, this individual who had, had been teaching. You know, he'd been one or two, three times before, and and he really enjoys learning the leather skills. And he loves what I do, and it kind of it built from there. And obviously, the opportunity for me to do this for Harrison Ford was was huge. So I've I've done.
0: Say no, would you?
1: Yeah, it's like yeah, where do I sign? (laughs) (laughs) So so, so
0: how do you split your time between teaching and making for your own brand?
1: Um, I'd say at the moment um, it's about. 80% 80% teaching, 20% other leatherworks, and I don't have a problem with that. It's it's not really changed much since the mm. bit of post and pre-COVID. Yeah. Uh, because I enjoy the teaching, I enjoy sharing the skills. I uh, I love the reaction of people being in my studio and how mm. how they um, really get a flavour of what leatherwork is about and how they start. You can see it in their eyes how they're thinking, how they can, uh, you know clear out a room at home and, and start doing yeah. it themselves and where they're going to buy the tools and everything and I'm part of that journey and it's a real privilege and a real honour uh, for me for, for that to happen and it's just not and I don't mean just you know just just run the mill people I mean I'm, I'm getting all kinds of different people I'm getting people with uh well-being issues ADHD yeah uh, um you know depression um, which again is a real driver for me to continue Diamond with all of the Workshop is that I'm going to areas where, you know, which I'm getting lots of satisfaction out, but also helping others. How about you? Um, there's the communities, is the 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 kind of the slightly older age communities that never really get a chance to learn these kind of skills for different well, reasons.
0: Wasn't uh, it a few years go, ago you went into a prison? Wasn't it to develop skills I, of prisoners?
1: I'm going to go into one. No, I'm actually about, about to go into one. Um, so again, people that are—I uh, are just—you rehabilitate, shall we say—that yeah. are looking to, you know, it's going to be tough for them. How, whatever they've done wrong, it's going to be tough for them. However you want to structure it, so giving something to kill the time and create a hobby and maybe create some kind of income. You know, I want to be part of that journey. Definitely. Yeah. You know, everybody should be um, given a second chance. Not everybody's perfect, and we all make mistakes. Um, and I've got plenty of friends um, who have done that. Uh, who've made mistakes and and paid the price but it's kind of thing you know we're in a democratic society you know we should give people a second chance and and i think as giving people a lot of down they're gonna have a lot of downtime um finding their way in life and i think you know something like leatherwork or uh, a craft i think it kind of fits the book quite nicely because you don't need a lot of money you don't need a lot of space yeah. um and who knows what might what might come out of it
0: that's good Um, I wanted to touch on a point that you raised just a a minute ago and you were saying that with Diamond Oil Workshop you noticed Mm -hmm. during the pandemic it kind of stayed very steady because I wanted to ask a did you have to adapt your business to survive and b did you notice any uplift in people getting into crafts and therefore wanting to come and learn from you Um, but it sounds like maybe maybe not actually.
1: uh, It was more of um well, for me, what I changed, I'll ask it two. I'll answer it in two parts. So the first thing I changed was um, I had less people obviously coming into the building, um, you know, I, I yeah, kind for of cons- social distancing my, reasons. Yeah, so I couldn't yeah. have that conscious of of people of you know of, of people coming in with COVID and everything else. So you know we did the you know due diligence of make sure people have had boosters and tests and make sure they test before they come in, came on the course. Um, you know, I reduced it from, I think, from four to two people, um, you know, um, you know, I, had to, I had to clean my studio every every day, mm-hmm. every time somebody I had to clean it, I had to wash all the aprons, you know, uh, 40 degree wash, um, I had to clean all the tools, I had to wipe down everything, I had to wipe the floor, this is like all the time, and this is for a good six or seven months, yeah. whilst, you know, this horrible, this horrible virus kind of does its thing, so, um, And my JSY JSY Loveworks, I kind of did more at home because Mm. I've got a nice little workshop in the cellar. It doesn't sound that bad, but, you know, um, (laughs) in the cellar. So I did a little bit of kind of prototyping in my studio at home. So I kind of separated it out. So there wasn't a huge difference other than I just, you know, just did less is more with people. I I guess to get
0: the same income, though, you have to work twice as much, to obviously, if you're going from four to two people in a workshop
1: absolutely um you know I you know I'm I'm definitely not doing the leather work just for the money um you know you you, can it's hard enough as it is um Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in a situation where you know I I I will do this in on on bare minimum um because I enjoy I enjoy sharing the skills I enjoy extremely, extremely passionate about it you know I um I just see the changes in people's lives that it does and um, it's something that I will always do until um, the day I die because it's, it just feels right for me right now and um, I don't think that will change.
0: Yeah, I mean we, we all appreciate that your business has to make money to be sustainable and to be there for your customers. Though I actually wanted to ask because your previous career you would have picked up loads of digital marketing skills and creativity skills. So I'm wondering how those skills have helped you to make your businesses a success. Um, because you've come from business and you're now
1: yeah, in leatherwork, so. yeah. I mean, I, if, if you had to bold any of them, that sort of bullet point any of them that could stand out, it's probably the computer skills. Um, mm. I know two or three specific leatherworkers that are quite well from overseas um, that spend a lot of time kind of drawing, um, or pro, you know, drawing their their, their, their things they're going to make, so whether bags or smaller mm. goods. But they don't have, per se, any kind of digital skills. So being oh, yeah. able to use mm-hmm. software packages and stuff. Hmm. But I, um, so I obviously had that from my previous work, which is really kind of my previous career. So I, that's really helped. Um, so being able to, I don't know, I can literally buy an old bag from a second hand shop. And this is something I, I kind of you know uh, it envisaged to lots of students and stuff and um, come workshops is buy old bags you can get from, um, you know, charity shops and things and usually quite cheap. I actually took a razor blade and kind of took them apart um, and then I can translate the sizes and dimensions to a computer, uh, to a computer software, then literally replicate. It, and the pattern. Um, yes, that's so great I tip could,
0: to everyone that's listening
1: Absolutely. So it's it's something I always and even like you know, not to be bags, it can be small leather wallets, small leather goods, and you know an eye case um, mm. could be anything. And you you find quite quickly that um, you'll start to get a feeling of form and function how some of these things are made. I mean, you know, bags are generally two side panels, a body, and a flap on the bag. Literally, that is the you know five components that make these things. Then you can start to build your own, create your own identity. You know, for me, from a creative perspective, you know, the, the bit I missed out, I've not told you, this, is the um, when actually my my first my first job in digital marketing, when I actually got the job, I was in Covent Garden, mm. and my 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 agency, I had to bring my agents to the telephone box in Covent Garden around the corner near the tube station, and I said I got the job at the at the agency, and I saw so the moon, and I literally I was walking past Paul Smith. And I was so happy that I got this job. My first job in London, it's hard enough as it is, that there was a sign on Paul Smith's door saying, Saturday job. And I was, I was just full of beans. I was full of confidence. I mean, I was like on top of the world, you know, first job down there. And I walked in there, Paul Smith, and asked him for the Saturday job. Because I felt nobody could say no to me at that time. It was like, you no, know, everybody's going to say yes because I've just got my yeah. first job. I'm on top of the world. And they said yes. So I got, yeah. a, I got two jobs literally on the same day so i spent 8 years at paul smith um, did you yeah working on saturday um and 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 again subconsciously again there was paul's amazing individual and, and he's just yeah from a creative perspective paul's usp's uh, um it's kind of he does traditional but with a creative slant I of, his patterns
0: are quiet creative,
1: creative, with a, creative with a twist that was his thing yeah. so you'd finally do really nice lovely tailored shirts or tailored jackets but when you turn the cuffs over they'd be kind of really highly patterned on the inside that that's that's Paul Smith in a nutshell yeah. and I always remember um in the lovely glass cabinet these old traditional glass cabinets he had you he'd always have the best leather goods or accessories um and he used to have these lovely wallets I used to always want to come in and just pick up and just feel because they were beautiful usually made out of calf calf skins yeah. they were absolutely gorgeous cost a lot but th- they were beautiful mm. um and I think probably that's something that I guess constantly stayed with me for for a long time yes. uh, but yeah like you said the skills just come from my you know my previous work and it's kind of stayed with me that's probably the main thing that, that, that I remember.
0: That's good to know computer skills okay Um, next I want to talk about your time on Made in Great Britain and Thanks. for anyone who missed out on it it was a uh, six episodes um, and it was a story of how crafts and manufacturing shaped cities and towns in the UK uh, to create the modern Great Britain. So it was steel in Sheffield, shoemaking making in Northamptonshire, and so on. So how did this opportunity present itself? How did you even get um, onto the show? Can you tell us uh, a bit about that?
1: From what I remember, um, I got a I think I got a call on the phone to say there was some TV program that was going to be aired on. They didn't. They didn't say very much on tv and mm. it's all about craft and making in in Britain and you know the, uh, the, the, the the history of making in the UK blah blah and would like you to come down for, for a casting so um I said no first. Did you? <laughs> yes, yes. Why? Um I just didn't well I think they said it was in London and that kind of sent shudders down my back because <laughs> I'm going back down to London um, but then they called back and I said yes. So went down to London. It was in Hammersmith, this casting, and yeah. it was like a day. But there was other leather workers there. They were about six or seven there. Hmm. So I was kind of like, well, there's no way I'm going to get this, but, you know, I'll just make the day of it, you know, free lunch. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and um, um, we had to do all these tests and challenges and, and interviewed in front of a camera. And, and then we had to sit around a table and um is weird it was like this 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 like this puzzle that that this, like puzzle puzzle plasticine and other things other old uh, kid creative things are all on this table that we had to kind of engage with but also talk about things and they were filming it and it obviously must have, I must have said something because right? <laughs> guess cast you because um, the following week I um, I was at the artist's flower Show in Chatsworth, I had a little stall there. It was a bit of a show and tell, and they were just mm-hmm. celebrating heritage crafts and and that that was really really good. And I remember this specifically. um I managed to blag a ticket for my mum to come down. Yeah. And she was walking towards my stand, could see And as she got right close, the stand my phone rang, and it was a producer from this TV program. And I was being trying to be really professional, not be kind of quite giddy and everything. <laughs> My mum was looking at me. She's got that scowl on her face. And it, it was a look as if to say, um, OK, what have you done? <laughs> you know, being very, what are you getting up to? Exactly. What's very subdued and everything. Um, and I said, oh, I've just got this job on this TV thing. And, just um, as casual as that yeah, <laughs> that they, on TV. <laughs> yeah I was kind of <laughs> cool and, no, but um yeah they just liked who I am and how I am very uh came across very um this is their words uh very um natural uh yeah. very uh very real um I think they like that they think they would that would work well on TV so um did you come
0: across you on your Instagram account or something like that
1: no, um, they they probably done their, you know, the, I know they do their their, their their due diligence of looking at everything. I mean, they do for obviously to protect themselves. Yeah. So, so there's there's nothing on on anything, um, whether it be LinkedIn or social media uh, uh feeds. Um, but I imagine they've done that before they started to you know to 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 to, to offer me um the the role. Um, you also what people don't know when you do all this TV stuff. Actually, you almost get like um you almost get like a psychometric kind of evaluation price from like a, a specialist who rings yeah. these specific questions to make sure you know are you you know prepared to you know you can have like a million people watch you on tv and are you prepared for that mentally and everything you know you're going to get people recognizing you in the street you prepare for all that and when you he almost starts makes you makes you start a bit scared well, self-doubting self like, right, decision
0: yeah it's like <laughs>
1: why, why am i doing this again <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. keep, that, keep talking yeah, yeah. you're really making me want to do it um yeah yeah so, yeah so the, the, i mean it's just natural protocols they go through but yeah i mean it worked out quite well okay. and i did a, a ball um the i really as
0: well okay i'm sorry
1: no i learned quite a lot about myself um and i i, I met some amazing individuals especially katie some
0: the makers
1: i imagine yeah katie Bench yeah. is a, she's incredible um She's a, a a metal worker or a sculptor or an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's you know, she's got some true grit, that girl. And um she's um yeah, and, and really got on with her. I Me and I got really well and 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 you know, a lot of time for it. But yeah, generally the, the actual show was I thought was really well done and really, you know, just really interesting, and really engaging in, in how things we've done in the past and and people just don't even know. Um or you know, just just really interesting, you know, things like, you know, the shoes in Northampton, uh, you know, Sheffield st- steel, uh, chocolate in York, cheese in um, hats in Luton. I remember all these. Off heart. I mean, yeah. Race, um, and how it all started from, you know, right back from Edwardian, even probably before then, to where we are now. And, and the rudimentary tools and machinery and how the Industrial Revolution came and how it changes the, the industries. It's oh, fascinating
0: to be a part of.
1: Yeah, completely. Um, so so, you yeah. will
0: have like picked up as well lots of skills during
1: this. But yeah. have you
0: have you implemented any in your workshop? Well, maybe, the, maybe shoemaking.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. the, yeah. Well, i have done a little bit of shoemaking. I, I, there's, I mean, um, we, we, they did the filming at Trickers, which is just, I, I can't say enough good things about Trickers. They're the most amazing company. Um, they, some of them people may know them from they, they did a lot of filming for a film called Kinky Boots at Trickers in Northampton. Um, yeah and i think it really kind of turned things around for for chickas. um and uh, scott who is their master craftsman there he's just the loveliest guy they they're all lovely from right to top to management right down to the other guys the people that, you know that that the cutting cutting out That's the left. Yeah. um that was a really light for me because uh, it was so it they they'd use it's traditional shoemaking but they use machinery mm-hmm. to do it and in yeah. my and it was kind of think well I'd always, i would always surprised yeah, by that yeah it was because it's the word tradition in a sense that they're using you know machinery to do the shoes and said well that's kind of like just mass manufacturing that's what it is but it's still tradition it is a tradition it's still seen as tradition yeah. and for me what changed my thinking was i used to think i used to always have to stay in the the circle of i had to do everything uh traditionally right yeah, yeah i couldn't think of anything modern to mix with tradition yeah uh, and And after doing the program, I completely changed my way of thinking. You know, I'm looking at using more computer skills to do what I do now. You know, I'm looking at using laser laser cutters or laser machines. You know, um, I'm looking at digital printing onto leather. So all these new modern techniques that are out there for people to use and access, Mm -hmm. I'm looking to implement or, you know, I start to implement into what I do. Um, And that's probably the the most thing that, Change my way of thinking, kind of doing the
0: TV program. Okay, that's, uh, <laughs> that's really interesting to know. um Next, I want to come on uh, and quickly talk about uh, making in the UK because we probably both know the UK manufacturing is worth 192 billion. I mean, that's insane, alone. Um, <laughs> wow. And they also employ 2.7 million people in UK manufacturing. So it's a huge deal. So why is making in the UK so important to you?
1: Oh wow. Um, I'll just keep bullet points because literally you, you, there's not enough airtime. Um easy to manage relationships. Um yeah. have a you know a very good direct relationship with with the makers um or the maker or makers. It gives you more control. Um you know you create an employment in the UK, you know, you you you're you're, you're adding to the, the UK economy. Um, if there's a problem, and this is probably one of the main reasons, when there's a problem, you know, things, when things are made, there's always there's a problem yeah. a kink in the supply chain somewhere uh, of making, you know, you, you're usually a few hours away to be able to solve that problem. Um, you know, if you're looking to get things made overseas and there's a problem, and, I, and I'm thinking of something really recent, as in about two weeks ago, where uh, com- uh, somebody was trying to look to make, get something just made in Europe, never mind the UK, and there was problems and it was taking so long to get to get answers to the problems. Yeah. And it happened in the UK. You know, if they'd have done it here, there'd have been better communication, it'd been more one-to-one directed, it'd been a car journey, you know, whether it be up Scotland or down south to Devon, wherever, they'd have be been able to solve that problem. So that being on your doorstep, it's like, why wouldn't you make in the UK? Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have to wait kind of months for products to arrive, So, you know, if you're working on something. And as a team or a maker, you, you know, you can literally get it to the other person in 24, 48 hours. So you're not waiting for the finished products. You know, there's there's a the bunch of things. You know, it's the, the carbon footprint is also right now. If you looked at keywords, sustainability, carbon footprint, you know, these are things that are being thrown around right now. And it's so important that we kind of we, we kickstart all this and really take this seriously because the mindset of consumers has changed and is changing even more. There's
0: a shift, isn't
1: there? That's a given. And it's like, well, as rather than a lot of people will see it as a negative thing, I almost see it as an opportunity. I almost see it as, well, look, you know, let's look at doing this, you know, really kickstart what goes in the UK, because we've got some amazing, amazing skills and amazing individuals and amazing companies that do the most wonderful things and we should be just really focusing on us and us alone and just really, you know, making it go because it's it's all going to get more expensive to bring things in overseas. It, it, it,
0: it is, and supply chains at the moment are taking so long to get anything through. Nice.
1: It's a nice... Even, even you know, I, I've got uh, my brother-in-law who who's owns a clothing shop, you know, he's buying things from Europe and, and this thing's stuck in transit for months three or four months until we get to it and you know a, a season for a season a, 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 a spring summer season last three or four months and that that boat has sailed when you've eventually got the stock you know yeah. so it, it's, it's 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 it kills them it's killing businesses so it's like we just have to completely rewrite the rule book and rewrite how we go forward as a as a uk a, 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 as relationships and and, and making things because it's a massive opportunity yeah,
0: there is do you watch The Apprentice?
1: Um, I watched it I watched it actually yesterday. Um yeah. Um because I was
0: gonna say the 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 other week when they joined the I think it was the interview staging, Alan Sugar made the point, he's like, Why are you going to China?
1: He's like, China, China yeah. yeah, it's
0: like do and it the, in the UK.
1: The the there's nowhere that was gonna win. I mean, that would have been against everything that's going on, everything that Alan Sugar's been talking about. Yeah, um, everything that's
0: going I, on in the world right now, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I think that would have, have been really bad. Um, I, I, I kind of thinking that, you know, the ones that should be, should be looking at things that are about sustainability and that are, you know, not going to harm for the planet, I think that's kind of a foundational basis for any good companies right now. Yeah. Um, so... Um, but yeah, it was really interesting that point.
0: It was, wasn't it? From
1: really kind of, quite cringe and you couldn't really I think it was all back down to the dollars. You know, the, 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 the biggest people see it as the biggest factor as to why not to make in the UK is is cost. The money, yeah. Right. But when they work it out and how things are now, it's it's probably cheaper to Classic, do it. Well,
0: especially with oil and diesel prices. prices.
1: So <laughs> and, and I think it's slowly people start to realise that. Um But again, you know, we need to do more making. We need to get more money. So yeah. So that
0: kind of brings me nice to my next question. Actually, talking about sustainability, since becoming a leather worker and working with leather, has it changed your view on sustainability? Has it has it made you more enthusiastic towards it? Has it become more of an important cause for you?
1: Um, Well, have you always kind of? um, I'd say from from where from year from the. the, other, this, the first six months I was kind of finding my feet with leather work mm. I think from after that from where I am now I've been very strong about the types of leathers I use um you know looking at less chemicals um less natural um more natural dyes even the threads that I used and um, where I get my hardware from uh, um etc I'm, and I'm, I've always looked at that and I'm continuing to do that I'm really trying to lay uh, the right foundation for people that come through to my studio when, they're, when I'm teaching. So they can make, and when I can give you my opinion, and this is what I think, but well, they can make a, um, their own choices when they leave my studio. Um, so it's really important for me that, that I try to use the best quality leather, nothing cheap, um, and that the things that are made, uh, especially by the students, that it's going to last. And even yeah. on FaceWire Leatherworks, looking at the best quality leathers, so you know, for me, you know, the leathers that you do, so you know, bridal leather and things like that, which is just second to none. Um, you know, I, I was in, I was in, um, I was in uh, Japan a couple of years ago for nearly a month with my wife and. Or they can talk about how good English bridal is and English bridal that and English bridal this, that. And just. Frederick's a big name out there, isn't it, in Japan? They absolutely love it. And they think it's the best thing since sliced bread. So anything made out of English bridal is the best in the best. And the best. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had. I remember walking into one shop where they had all these English, English bridal leather bags that were on plinths. These plinths, are like something out of, I don't know, Julius Caesar Museum or something. It was incredible. Um, but they really put it on a pedestal because it's beautiful and it lasts yeah. and it's just a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful material. And um, they, um, and for me, it's like, you know, I will always continue down that. I mean, you know, I'm now looking at things like plant based materials, you know.
0: OK, so I wanted to actually ask you about yeah. this because sure. oh. as a leather worker, you must get custom makes all the time. So has anyone asked you to make vegan leather products? And if so, how do you respond to it?
1: I've had one about four days ago. <laughs> And it's literally every week, every other week that, and it's the understanding of vegan leather. I mean, it's really interesting. And I'll, and I'll break this down. I mean, the Leather UK is kind of a, a government body, that's that, so a body that's put together, basically to kind of help the leather industry. So either, will it be individuals that are, that want to get into leather and need contacts, but also just to really champion some of the tanneries and, and suppliers, and, and just really bring the whole, uh, get I don't know. I suppose a strong foundation of how the leather business goes forward in the UK. Mm-hmm. Kerry and Jessica run it. They did a, 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 a kind of a, a I don't know. I suppose some kind of poll with two thousand students, mm-hmm. and it's quite alarming results. Um, you know, vegan leather. Um, there's some confusion as to what vegan leather is, and it's like fifty-four percent didn't know that. You know, there's like a composite composite materials in vegan leather. I think there was another one where. You know, vegan leather potentially could mean is 100% plastic and 54% of, of the people, of the response, expre- expressed kind of their disappointment that vegan leather could mean 100% of it could be plastic. Yeah. So, and this is no fault of the consumers. It's no fault of the consumers. It's, it's how, I think. How we educate which, them. Well, it's how we've let it just get so confusing as the leather industry as a whole. We've let that happen. You know, um, and I think that there's right now, I think it really is a case of just get a little bit more clarity because the only people that are gonna suffer is the consumers. Yeah. If if we want to set a precedent and and really make sure that leather is going to be here for a long time, um, you know, we need to just get clarity about what these terminology is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got we've got on the horizon uh, plant based materials, so things like pineapple um material and cactus material. Now I know people call it pineapple leather and cactus leather, but you know I can't really do that because it's not leather. Leather as a term has to come from an animal. It's even in the Bible, you know, leather is yes it to come from a living animal.
0: So, so is this how you respond to your customers that are asking for well, you know,
1: leather? I, I say nothing's perfect. This is what I say to them, nothing is perfect leather how it's made is nothing's perfect the, uh, the 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 vegan leathers the pu leathers some of the plant-based leathers or plant-based materials nothing's perfect but what is is important is that just get clarity with what these are that that's the importance so then the consumers can make the decision about how they want to go forward um and i think that's where i'm at the moment is that i'm looking at there's some really interesting ones out there that are plant-based that have got the same characteristics of leather, um, but they're at early days. It's yeah. almost like, you know, let's have another conversation in five years time when they've, you know, they've, they've sorted out the, they've, they've, you know, they've sorted out how it's made and they've probably improved it even more. And, you know, you're probably at a point where it is actually really just, you know, there's really strong benefits of using this and it's very much like leather. Um, but you know, right now, I think it's still early days. Um, like I said, you know, leather's a natural byproduct to the, of, of the food industry, and it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. But there is people, you know, there is people. The demand
0: for it.
1: Yeah, there is the, yeah. The demand for alternative, and you could even find the information out on Google. You know, some of the it's one of the highest searches I think is is alternative. Uh, materials to, to to leather and everything it, it's out there to be found to, to be seen because people are asking the consumers are wanting you know other options yeah. um, and that's why i think that probably my prediction is that leather's gonna get more expensive within within i don't know, three to seven years and get more and more um uh, exclusive and more and more expensive um but i think that's going to be a good thing because you know it means that the qualities out there is going to be really good yeah. you know it's gonna, you know it's less and people
0: it- paying a reflective price of what they're receiving
1: correct yeah so it'll kind of it'll probably even itself out um but right now it's still very confusing what what pu leather is what pleather is what vegan leather is um you know what is plant-based material very very confusing and for me i just say look there's things out there you just need to i can give you what these are who make these and you can make your own decision um you know and that's best the way i have approached
0: it that's a, that's a great way to end um Jason thanks so much for your time this morning before we go I want to do a, a top three from you top three products from Abby and I want one tool one piece of leather and one buckle from you what would you choose
1: leather bridle yeah buckle the is the garrison oh no the I can't say it, the Marshall Marshall ship. say Oh, I love that buckle. Oh my god, that is so cool. And the Feynman's uh, quick release buckle. What was the other one?
0: And a, and a tool.
1: Um, and I said the edge bevelers you've got in at the moment. Yeah, I really like them. I really like the balance of them. They're really nice. The expensive ones. Not the yeah, ones, the ones. they're really, really nice. Um, So yeah, Um, I have a student's unit use them. They really like them as well. So yeah. Wonderful.
0: All right. Thank you very much. Um, is there anything else that you want to say, Jason, for we? week?
1: No, no. All good. Um, no, I'll just keep kind of banging on the door. Of <laughs> well, you're welcome
0: anytime.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> but I want to uh, thank Jason for his time this morning and thank you to all our listeners. We'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening to the Abbey England Podcraft. Tune in next time for more industry insights. In the meantime, Head over to abbeyengland.com for all your workshop supplies.